bunch of frauds. That's what they are. Bunch of cigarette eating frauds. Yes, sorry ball, man. Sorry ball does not look good. <laughs> I don't know what it is either. I don't know what it is. I'm ready. I'm ready to fucking roll. I'll tell you that. Ready to roll. Ready to roll. No Kaiser. Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What's going on, everybody? We are live with Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 168. Kyle Bennett, Matt Castorina, and Don Ponteri live from Underground Studios. As always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novig Automall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. Oh, yeah. What's going on, guys? Living the dream, babe. Another day in paradise. Got a lot Today to, was uh, beautiful. Today, it was. No, this it was, was my ideal day. weather day. Like 71, a little breezy. Absolutely loving it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> got a lot to uh, talk about today. Obviously, uh, got to recap that Eagles-Falcons game a little bit. Ooh, and do then... We, uh, do we? Hey, I mean, yeah, they, need, they need a Monopoly yeah, hotel do. upgrade for that medical tent. Uh, the Jalen Ramsey stuff continues to swirl around. Phillies are done. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, I'm tired of listening to that. Apparently, uh, Joel Embiid's lost some weight, mm. and uh, the Flyers finally signed Travis Konechny. Uh But let's get into that Eagles game. They lose that one to the Falcons on Sunday Night Football. Everybody died, and uh, <laughs> they are still injured because the Eagles put out their medical report today, and everybody was freaking out because Doug Peterson changed up how practice was run. Everyone was like, what is going on? Guys, they have two games in 10 days. Like, relax, and everybody, like, pretty much collapsed right before the game started on Sunday night. So, Doug switched it up. It's not the first time he's done it. He did it last year uh, with week 16 and 17, and it was totally fine. There's nothing to full-blown be concerned about with the way Doug Peterson's running practice, but uh, initial thoughts on just how that game went and how they were, you know, just that close after all those injuries. Look, before we get into any of the takes... You know, moving forward, I do want to say the fact that we only lost by four mm-hmm. with like our like C squad out there who didn't even know the game plan pretty much. Yeah, like, and he's really only Carson's really only throwing to two guys the mm-hmm. entire game. Miles Sanders isn't running well. Like, Jordan Howard's not running well. Yeah, like, and the fact that the Falcons had to like really try to still beat us, and they ended up beating us by four. I think that says something about us. A little bit more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Great heart, great character. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, and I just humble brag here, I did you say twenty four seventeen, and that we would lose. You did, and in our uh, right there, our schedule breakdown, you said 
outside of us going sixteen and zero, that this would be a loss. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, like going to Atlanta, game. going to Atlanta is always going to be tough. Uh, big primetime game, especially mm-hmm. when you consider Week One again, where they went, they they got absolutely demolished by Minnesota. There was very little chance that they were going to come out and kind of give any let up. And I think we also said in our preview, can't go down, you know, 17 points to the Falcons because you won't come back like you did against the Redskins. And yeah. gave it our best shot. Maybe with a fully healthy squad, maybe we don't even go down 17. Maybe we score some first quarter points. Yeah, for which once. Which we still continue to struggle to do. That is a worry. But, you know, I think given the circumstances, this was, you know, a loss that you kind of just move on with. And you don't really want to ring the mm-hmm. the alarm bells just yet. I think the the greater concern is just moving forward the health of the team. Yes. You know, again, mm-hmm. like you can you can always recover from any loss. The Falcons literally did it. You know, they had really embarrassing loss week one. Come back, you know, a, a good a good win against a, a really good Eagles team. So yeah, now it's about making sure that everyone's healthy. I don't know what kind of uh, you know blood doping we need to do i'll donate i think i have low hemoglobin though so i don't know if i can even do that safely but i'll i'll risk it um yeah there's there's going to be a lot of work being done on making sure everyone's healthy it's you know we had detroit sunday so give us a decent shot at it mm-hmm. even current current An undefeated team yeah, yeah. they are one oh and one they tied the cardinals that's uh, ridiculous well they had also they just had to get the perfect chargers game yeah like with Two called back touchdowns, <laughs> a late Philip Rivers interception, a fumble. Just, you just like lit, a fumble on the one yard. Yeah. Just, everything went right for Detroit. So uh, today's injury report, as of Wednesday, while we're live recording this, uh, did not participate in practice. Corey Clement with that what looked like disgusting shoulder injury. He's gonna be yeah, okay. That, apparently, that didn't look good when he was coming off the yeah, field at all. Uh, I've whenever, done that to myself. That is a dislocated shoulder. Yeah, whenever you see the guy walk off the field like this. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's doing a good. doing a non warranted shoulder lean. Uh, Dallas Goddard didn't even play in the game. Reaggravated that calf injury. He did not participate in practice. Deshaun Jackson has an abdomen injury. He's going to be out at least two weeks, so he did not practice. Alshon Jeffrey played four snaps. Did not see a target in Atlanta. Had a calf injury. Did not participate. He's going to be out at least against Detroit. Potentially against the Packers as well. The big injury is Tim Jernigan. Broke his foot. Mm-hmm. He's out four to six weeks. Uh, won't require surgery, but he is in a boot. So big time, Timmy Jim. After losing Malik Jackson in week one, you lose Tim Jernigan in week two, and so now your defensive tackles are you know, paper thin in terms of depth. Jordan Mailata still not practicing with the back injury. And then uh, Derek Barnett, Fletcher Cox, Jonathan Cyprian, Rudy Ford, Nate Gary, and Kama Grugier-Hill were all limited. So good to see at least Kamu's practicing a little bit now. And uh, Nate Sudfeld, with the wrist injury, was a full participant in practice today. So that's a good sign Terrific. getting Nate back. Terrific news. I love having old Suds back. It's great. <laughs> um, but, I mean, the, the biggest issue for me with this team is they are continuing to fail to score in the first quarter. They cannot get off to these fast starts. And say what you want about Andy Reid, those 15 scripted plays he has – Work to a charm literally every single time, and uh, they put up points. They didn't this past week, week though, eh. but then they bounced back, and yeah. Patrick Mahomes threw for almost 300 yards in one quarter. Yes. Um, yeah, one, one wide receiver had three touchdowns. Yeah, again. So, yeah, can we talk just real quick? Sammy Watkins, man, I believed in you. 
dropping like he dropped like a sixty yard touchdown. I know. Absolute. Uh, he yeah, I have him I have him too. It's, it's bad. He just burned me again. Keep going. But uh they need to figure out how to get off to quicker starts in these yeah. games. Whether it's you know, establishing the run early or getting the ball out of Carson's hands quicker, they need to start scoring in the first quarter because they can't continue to play catch up in every single game. I would like to believe that we will see that. However, I think it's more than just this season it's been slow starts. I think this has pretty much been Doug Peterson's entire tenure has mm-hmm. been slowish starts to games. And for whatever reason that is, I I, I don't know. I, I don't exactly think it's by design. I don't think he likes, you know, 10-3 games going into, like, the second quarter or you know, like 17-7 at halftime. But I, it's always been a little bit of a struggle with us. And um, I think in a way it's good, though, because the Eagles continually improve as game goes on. And you think of just some of, kind of, some of the, the second-half performances we've had, you know, in years past and how impressive those have been. And, you know, going into, like, halftime with, you know, big momentum shifting plays can, can be really effective. But, yeah, I think if, you know, if this goal, the goal this year is to, to win a Super Bowl, that is an area that's going to have to be addressed because, you know, whether you're facing the best of the NFC or whoever comes out of the AFC looks like it's going to be the Patriots. I don't, you can't really afford any uh, any lacking in, in er- any areas of your game. And right now, like yeah, Especially that, how good they look. The Patriots you talk about. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be yeah, fair, Chiefs, like, to be fair, they have played just at they played an absolute corpse this weekend. Yeah. Christ <laughs> alive! Why is Ryan Fitzpatrick still a starter yeah, in the NFL? Shout out to everybody with the Patriots defense. Yeah, shout out. I was literally one pick away from getting them in my one league and some curmudgeon. Str- yeah, I guess when the Patriots get to play the Jets, absolutely unbelievable, dude. Yeah. Like, Luke where's Falk. the where's yeah. the FBI when you need that? <laughs> Christ alive? I think I think the. Most important thing for the Eagles in addressing, you know, starting the game off is establishing the run game. But that's going to be super, super hard for two reasons. One, we really don't have passing options right now because everybody's hurt. Aguilar is not good outside. He's a slot guy. And we have a rookie running on the outside. I would cut that at just Aguilar is not good. Let's like let's just uh, let's just be frank here. I know Aguilar had a great Super Bowl, but that does not like just. Dismiss. I still call him Butterfinger, so I can't I can't argue. He had like half a good season. He's wildly inconsistent. Um, but that's my point. Is like you can't I can't call someone good when mm-hmm. I think if you just went up to any Eagles fan or sound said Nelson Aguilar like a Rorschach test. Nelson Aguilar, you're give me a sentence and be Bum. like, uh, <laughs> drops a lot of passes. Yeah, that's like yeah. that's what he's known for. And like I don't mean that to dismiss him as a player because like he still has value, but like. Let's be honest. He, he dropped the game winner. And for what it's worth, you're, you're right. Like, well, he dropped three potential. And games. for what it's worth, everyone was spinning that you know lost it in the lights comment to a, a negative thing. The the reporter who asked that question literally asked, "Did you lose it in the lights?" Um, yeah, but granted, even, even know, if he did lose that one in the lights, he had two other throws that could have been touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Has he lost every pass that he's dropped in the past three <laughs> years in the lights? Because yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just a, saying a couple of the sun. I'm just saying I, I, he did he did redeem himself on that that unbelievable catch and then you know that pass to Zach Ertz you got to have that play run past the sticks like, yes you can't have that short and just hope Zach Ertz can elongate his arms and reach over I'm just I'm just I just took issue with calling Nelson Aguilar good oh yeah because I'm not <laughs> sure that that's the case All right. and I'm not sure that having him as our potential number one wide receiver on Sunday 
is particularly fruitful. And then and then on top of that, we only have one tight end. So it's like... Well, they did promote Alex Ellis from the practice squad, so he'll probably be the other active tight end. Um, but no, at least, you're not, not, at least you're not going into the game with one tight end, and you yeah. can actually run 12 personnel yeah, like Doug was planning plays, to do. play calling that you'd normally, but, normally see. But... I mean, that still hurts us because you really don't have a passing option. So every team's going to play us knowing that we're going to run. On top of that, when we do run, we don't have an outside rusher. It's supposed to be Miles Sanders, but he doesn't hit the hole when it opens. There was a few times I noticed against Atlanta where he's running it to the outside. The block's there, but he decides to cut to the outside even more. He only gets two yards because of it I saw, instead I saw, of some, having like four to f- six yards on the on the run. I saw an interesting stat, though, about Miles Sanders is that uh, defenses are loading up. I think it's 57% mm-hmm. of the time are, are loading up in the box against him because they know if he's in, he's probably getting the touch. And, you know, so there's a little bit of telegraphing going on with some of the play calling, specifically with Miles Sanders, that I think goes against him. I, I think what we've seen about him is is positive so far. I oh, think yeah no I, I think I'm the not, biggest I'm not saying it's, it's biggest question mark for me isn't Miles Sanders so much as is Jordan Howard who's mm-hmm. a much more established player. Mm-hmm. Like Miles Sanders is always going to have a little bit of volatility because he's a rookie and you know, rookie running backs can can take you know notoriously take you know, a few weeks to really get established into a system. So I I would be more hopeful that we can rely on Jordan Howard and like. Nothing this season so far has really given me a lot of uh, clarity on that situation. And I think that's the running back situation overall is like, I don't feel very hopeful about any of our options. And that's not to say that they're bad or that they couldn't improve in this Sunday even could be, you know, amazing. But I I don't think anyone can say they're like confident in in our guys, uh, at least, you know, the next two, three weeks, maybe, you know, November is a different discussion. Sproles isn't even worth mentioning. It's... I would say he's worth mentioning. I, I just don't think that, again, I, I don't think that Darren Sproles is leading you to victory no. this Sunday, you know? I, no. He's a piece of a, uh, Darren Sproles is a piece of a, a big cog, and right now, like, eight of those <laughs> spokes are missing. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the the prevalent thing right now is you, you can't you're missing run, you your... You can't run screenplays with him because you have nothing else going and for you're, you. And you're missing your only deep threat into Sean, who was really the the best sort of big play weapon mm-hmm. that you've had for Carson, which I which I think, you know, limits his ability. Yeah. Aguilar is, you know, his is really Aaron like his go to besides Zach Ertz is, you know, kind of your go to wide receiver. And Ertz this year has been sort of the game plans. Last year was very heavy towards him. This year even coming into the season he himself was saying, yeah, like, I'm not going to catch <laughs> yeah. like I did last year. That's and you're missing your number one wide receiver in Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah, so I... Yeah. And for what it's worth, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and Matt Collins were not in this game plan against Atlanta, so you could go back and watch the game from last Sunday and see Zach Ertz and Jason Peters and Jason Kelsey, you know, directing guys on where to line up because they were not supposed to be in this game plan whatsoever. Doug said he was planning to run a ton of 12 personnel. And when Dallas Goddard goes out before the game even starts, you can't do, it. You can't do anything because he's those are your only active tight ends on the roster. Um, I think they for, for not being in the game plan, they still played decent. I mean, Matt Collins caught that one pass with, when Carson Wentz was just, you know, lifted by God and was hovering above Absolutely the turf by amazing a pass. centimeter. 
A ridiculous pass. I, for what it's worth, I was impressed by what I saw from Matt Collins across the board, whether it was on offense, special teams. You know, he downed that one punt at the one-yard line, um, and that's why he made this roster over Greg Ward, and that's why Greg Ward's on the practice squad. But He's just got to stay healthy. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, and so far so good, which yeah. is, is a positive to see. But he's going to get a lot of playing time. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is now going to get a lot of, you know, where Alshon would be on the field. And uh, it's just going to be up to these guys to, uh, you know, Stay consistent. What was that? That was a Facebook. Okay, that you know that reminded me of that uh, that horror movie. <laughs> uh, God, what is it? The one where they're all in like the Skype chat. There's like six of them. They like. Oh, I know. It, what I, is I that called? Don't I don't remember what it's called, but I know exactly what movie. It's like about. it's like the the ghost of the girl. She comes and like kills them all somehow. <laughs> the one dude like puts his hand in a blender. Weird. Um, mm. here's some Graphic. stats. Here's some stats. Sunday <laughs> night, by the way. Um, Eagles, 18 first downs. The Falcons, 19. All right. These these stats are pretty much Mm -hmm. all even. Uh, Third down efficiency. Eagles were 9 for 18 on third down, which is pretty spectacular. Uh, Falcons were 3 for 10, which is important because I think one thing that the Eagles, especially in that, you know, the first touchdown against the Redskins, that was a third down play as well. That was something didn't really do very effectively against the Redskins um, in week one. So going on the road... And holding the Falcons at 3 of 10 on third down is good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2 for 3 on fourth down. Uh, Falcons were 1 for 1. Only 49 rushing yards. Uh, Falcons only had 57. Eagles, 237 passing. Uh, Falcons with 310. So the Falcons overall had almost 100 more total yards than us. Uh, and 54 of those math. yards were on that Julio Chunk of that was on that big Julio play. So, you know relatively even when you when you look at it that way only one sack by the eagles and that's that's been the big mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. big obviously not been there with the with the injuries now too you'd suspect that that isn't particularly going to improve lions have a relatively good offensive line as well it's not like stafford's taking a lot of hits like he has in years past mm-hmm. so you would like to see that improve whereas the falcons had three uh two picks for the eagles three for the falcons eagles four punts a 52.3 average it's pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Falcons with three for 39. Um, only seven penalties for the Eagles, 10 for the Falcons, and the fumble lost. Eagles had almost, what is that, six, almost six more minutes possession. Um, you look at those Falcons. stats and you really would think that, like... Eagles probably won that game. Yeah. I think if you looked at those stats. Yeah. Like I said, we didn't play bad. And- Which, I mean, scoreline reflects that as well. It was a four-point yeah. game. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was... The thing about positive. the penalties, you can look at the, the penalties. We had three less penalties, but also two more penalty yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, we... we in, in oh, well, I want to make sure I say this right so I don't sound stupid, but... Uh, we committed... Just think very clearly. More <laughs> major penalties than, mm-hmm. yeah, than you the know, other your, team. Your 10, 15-yard yeah. runners. I know. You say, you know, you, you, you look at all that and you think there are some signs that... I think we're all a little nervous about specifically like the sacks. Turnovers, you know, that happens, especially in a game where you're playing from behind. But um, I think the turnovers and the rushing is is where this team can improve probably mm-hmm. the most. And we saw Jim Schwartz dial up more blitzes, I think, in that game than he has in his entire tenure as Eagles defensive coordinator. And it worked up until that Julio play, which, I mean... Yeah, it killed us in the end. I think everybody was, like, saying, you know, dial up the blitz, just end the game now because we were leading at that point, and if you get the sack on Matt Ryan, the game's pretty much over. Um, well, that's what they were talking about on the broadcast. Mm-hmm. They were like, go and do it now, and, you know, kind of 
hope that the Falcons don't make the play. Exactly. They just ended up making the play. And then one of the Falcons' offensive linemen just makes one hell of a block on Rasul Douglas, yeah. and that's how Julio gets downfield and scores that touchdown. But um, overall, like like we said, you know, the injuries were the, the biggest factor in this game because I don't think I've seen so many people go down with a concussion in one game. And then just the amount of guys that had to go into that blue tent – Carson sitting on the bench waiting, you know, he voiced his frustration with uh, how the, the protocol went, where they said he had a concussion, he was like, I'm fine, like... Hey, for that one series, though, who's the backup again? Josh McCown. He didn't do that bad. Yeah, I mean... I don't think... Savvy he veteran. Had, he had one incomplete pass. Mm-hmm. He connected on everything else. It was good. So, I mean, you know, there, there were... Uh, a plethora of injuries on both sides of the ball too you know the falcons suffered a ton of injuries too and uh they were just able to get that one big play to finish it off but they head into you know sunday against the lions like we said with all those injuries too from today's injury report i think doug's you know going about it the right way but a lot of people expressing their frustration with ronald darby i think he's still just kind of getting the rust off he hasn't played since he injured his acl last year um so i think he'll eventually get that speed back there it is folks no, there it is your nice show of the, the night nice. Try myself more leg room and i nice. absolutely stuff my face full of pie <laughs> uh minka fitzpatrick was somebody the eagles were allegedly tied to he gets traded to the pittsburgh steelers for a first round draft pick what the hell are the steelers doing absolutely absurd um and now yeah, jalen ramsey is uh you know requesting his uh seventh trade since being in Jacksonville. So, so Kyle, I mean, do you think we have a chance? Um Jacksonville well, is like objectively the worst part of Florida, by the way. Yeah. Like I, this is what uh, for it. Jason Lockenfora had to say this afternoon. Granted, it's Jason Lockenfora, so take it with a grain of salt. Jacksonville is the Trenton. This no, is what uh Florida. <laughs> it's also a very badly run organization. This is what he said about the uh whole Jalen Ramsey uh, situation and who's involved. And the trade him. I don't know about the short order part. This is a little different than Minka Fitzpatrick. This is a guy who has already put in his three years in the league. He is looking for a new deal. Um, you wouldn't have to pay him immediately, but he's going to want to become soon enough the highest or certainly one of the highest corners in the history of the game. So that's another element to this. Um, some of the attitudinal things, becoming comfortable with uh, his level of maturity and getting to the bottom of why he's had so many clashes with authority in Jacksonville, why he's clashed with teammates at times and had to be disciplined. You want to get to the bottom of all that. He's going to play Thursday, then they don't play again for 10 days. I know there's a report out there about Friday. That's the most artificial deadline in the history of artificial deadlines. There's one true <laughs> deadline. It's week It's week nine, okay? It, it's, it's the Tuesday after week eight, the trade deadline. Um, I do not believe he will be on that roster by then. He may not be on that roster by the time they play week four, but I don't know about Friday. What are you hearing in terms of teams? Is Kansas City going to be in the mix? And what are you hearing, Jason, in terms of potential compensation? When I talk to other organizations about this, some teams that have interest and some teams don't, but you know, everybody gossips. The sense that I'm getting from GMs and personnel directors is Kansas City Chiefs, Seattle Seahawks, Philadelphia Eagles. These are three teams you hear the most about. Um, Seattle, Philadelphia, they've been as proactive in making trades in this league across the board as anybody. Uh, and, and both were in at least to some degree on Minka Fitzpatrick. Not that Fitzpatrick and Ramsey are the same players, but looking to address their secondary. 
The Chiefs have, I mean, if you want to talk about one real issue on that roster, it's corner. And even yeah. more so than a slot guy or a safety like Fitzpatrick, it's a stud outside corner to make everybody else better. Ramsey would do that. Now, they might not want to pay Ramsey's what he's worth, but you got him cheap this year. There's a fifth-year option, and you still have a franchise tag sledgehammer. So we'll see. That's why I'm not buying it happens quickly. Compensation, they want two ones. Could they get it? Maybe. Is it there on the table right now? No. But as, unfortunately, in the league of attrition, guys get hurt between now and the trade deadline, it might be. There are we, – we talked a little bit about, I think even with the Melvin Gordon mm-hmm. kind of rumors that – you see this all the time with big championship contending teams making, you know, Brandon Cooks trades to to put themselves over the top. This feels like a trade that if the Seahawks are able to get, by the way. Yeah. That'll watch be out. If the Chiefs are able to pull in I don't I don't think he immediately fixes their, you know, defense, but certainly wouldn't yes. hurt in any way. I think if the Eagles get him, you're talking about when's the last time we had a great like cornerback? <laughs> Lito Shepard, Sheldon Brown. Yeah, like... <laughs> 2004. Asante Samuel. Yeah. It, like, but that's... There you go. This is a decade-long drought in this position that you could... Now, you're going to have to pay mm-hmm. hefty, hefty considerations for this, but, you know, he's... If not the best, he's, like, top three. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would say he's probably the best corner in the game right now, but you're getting him at a young age... Slightly cost-controlled contract, and you have you have him under contract for some time. So it's not like you're getting him on some kind of rental here. Like this is a guy you could theoretically, and if you want to pay him as well, have on your roster for a long time. And we don't exactly have like a a youthful defense. We don't we don't have many guys that are you know 24, 25, 26 years old. You, know, you look you look around. Most of, it's mostly they, just the corners. You look around that unit, and it's they're prime post prime mostly guys mm-hmm. so getting someone that you're not even sure has entered even their prime yet that you know the best years are ahead of them for sure that's um that's electric as well so i, I think the eagles should be in on this the just giant question mark is what what exactly you're gonna have to give up to get him because what do you, you think know. do you have any ideas do you have any takes on that i so i've seen a first a second and like a fifth or maybe like a player going back that seems steep, but I, get... I, th- I think it's only going to take picks. I don't think yeah. you're going to have to give up a player. And Diana Russinini from ESPN tweeted yesterday uh, that the Jaguars uh, have received two offers, one from an NFC team and one from an AFC team. My thought process is that this is the Eagles and Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, so the NFC team has offered a first-round pick in 2020 and a fifth-round pick in 2021. And then the fir- the uh, AFC team has offered a first round pick in 2020 and a player. We're not giving. Up. Um, I don't think we're giving up a player because I don't think we can. Re- like ideally, they'd probably also want a defensive player back. I don't know that we really have. I don't know that we have a anyone we're really keen on parting with, and b anyone that the the Jaguars would be like particularly invested in. So I, I've been latching on to, to one, but I, I think I've changed it after talking to a couple people online today. Your take, you mean? Yeah. Um, a first, a third, and I was saying Darby, but based off of his play recently, nobody's probably going to want him. One, you're not going to trade Ronald Darby because of that. Two, he's on an expiring contract. And so then, Ronald Darby and Jalen Ramsey played together at Florida State, and they so, are like – that so then what about 
Douglas. I wouldn't trade Rasul Douglas I know. personally. Um, friend of the show, Demetrius Harvey, writes for the Locked on Jaguars uh, website, and he's part of that podcast network as well. He put an article out saying the Eagles should be a top five team involved, uh, and his listed uh, compensation was a first, I believe, a second, and Sidney Jones. Hmm. Granted, I'm also not in on that because I'm a Sydney believer, and he looked very good against the Falcons. He, he's been one of our better secondary players than most other people. And like I said, I don't think it's going to take a player to get him back. I think the Jaguars would be wanting to more more so get picks back than anything else. Um, well, I mean, when they when they have a couple really bad contracts already in, on that team, and they're still paying Blake Bortles, who isn't even in the league anymore. Well, he is the Rams' backup, and he's making the league minimum million dollars to back up Jared Gerf. Yeah, man, what a life. <laughs> so, what a life. like, anyway, they still have bad contracts. It's a terribly run organization. I, I kind of can see why you wouldn't want a player and why you want rookies on rookie contracts and all of that stuff, so... They're not going to be, and the Jaguars aren't going to be able to pay Jalen Ramsey anyway because they have a a young, up and coming star defensive end, Yannick Ngakwe, and they're going to have to pay him major money. And uh, they they had three guys from, you know, recent drafts that they had to pay. They already paid the linebacker. I'm blanking on his name. Um, They paid their center. They paid their center. They paid Nick Foles. They're not good. They got to pick either Ngakwe or Jalen Ramsey, and I think Ngakwe is the better player. He what did he go? He's third all time in franchise history. Yeah, like, like he's an absolute stud. My my one issue with uh, with Jalen Ramsey is he is a confirmed hashtag confirmed White Oakley guy. That worries me. <laughs> <laughs> Seen the tape. Tape don't lie. I mean, when, I, my, when, when my you, actual worry with him, Florida. I mean, my actual worry with him is the uh, the yeah, n- not that I necessarily believe that. I, I think sometimes, quote unquote, player attitudes can mm-hmm. be a little, a little over exaggerated, and you know, because it, it brings in the clicks and all that and engagement. But you know, you have what seems to be a very good locker room in Philadelphia. Again, I I trust them to you know you have like two very good friends of his. Um, both that played in high school and college with him, like definitely would have a good understanding of, of his person, his character. So if I, I trust the Eagles to do their homework on, on him, if they are going to move, you know, but that, that, that is a, a, an actual concern for me. It's just, I, I, he is a little bit of a volatile figure and I think that can be good and bad. Um, I think we have the locker room to control that. And I think him and Doug could get along, but you know, he's like screaming at his head coach, you know, <laughs> during the game last week. Not partic- and it's not like that game was a blowout either, by the way. And this it's- isn't the first time he's gotten into it with his head coach. Now, maybe he doesn't respect his coaches because he's right. never been on a good team. And like he says, he wants to win. Okay, I would just like to point out that we have... I've heard this story with one Mr. James Butler. <laughs> that, you know, absolutely tanking their value to get out of a middling, you know... Middle market place Both that they don't want to be just claiming they want to win. Just, that they just want to win. And you're like, you believe, and then they leave you at the altar. Not that Jalen necessarily has the same Granted, kind of Jaylen contract would be power. Leaving Florida. Yes. So <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I just I think there's there's a lot to unpack there and I think the price has to be right. But I honestly, you you we don't know what happened with Jadavian Clowney. We mm-hmm. don't know like how 
invested we were in those conversations. It seems like, again, we were one of the teams in the top three or five in those talks. You know, you don't move for him, and that's sort of come back to bite you a little bit, especially now with the injuries that you're Mm -hmm. looking at on the defensive line. I do think there would be quite a bit of regret, regardless of any future injuries or performances, if you don't make your at least best effort for Jalen Ramsey. You know, if you lose to Seattle or the Chiefs, whoever, you know, because they maybe have a better offer, he just wants to play in Kansas City, because why not? Mm-hmm. You know, then you throw your hands up. But I, I, I think you have to make I think you have to make a full effort for him. I really do because I, I, I think you need you need that extra edge, you know, to to really push this Eagles team to the upper limits. Now, according to uh, Elliot Short Parks, he tweeted earlier today that the NFL Players Association has the Eagles with $28 million in cap space right now. All of that rolls over into next season where they already have a projected, uh, where they're projected to have somewhere between 7 to $10 million in cap space. Uh, and then add in that Howie Roseman is doing the deals and that tight, tight cap space has never been an issue with Howie Roseman. Uh, so... I think he could I, get this deal done. Yeah, normally I don't like ESP, but like when he when he talks facts, mm-hmm. that's good. His takes are his takes are questionable, very questionable. Um, but that's I think the X factor with the the fact that with the Eagles in this whole Jalen Ramsey situation is that how he gets deals done, and he knows how to work it. So I, it's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. I think that we have a chance. I think that it's a good chance. And if Howie can pull the right strings, I think he ends up a Philadelphia Eagle by the trade deadline. Which would be... I do love me an alpha dog. Which he is. Now the real question is, what number would he wear? Because currently Jalen Ramsey's number 20 in Jacksonville. Mm. Obviously number 20 retired by the Philadelphia Eagles for one Brian Dawkins. I think he respects that. 40. He'd he'd respect it. He was double. 22. Double down. Does anyone have 40 right now? Does anybody have 22? Sidney Jones is 22. Uh, Ronald Darby's twenty one. I don't know. Did do we know what he wore in like college or high school? Maybe he goes. You Let's know, see. Maybe he goes back to that. I don't know. I, I I would I would be excited to have Jalen Ramsey on that team though. But I think he's a guy that takes you takes over you the ne- top. takes you to the next level. And we said the same thing about Jadavian. Said the same thing about Melvin Gordon. We were linked with him. Although I, I think Melvin was always a little bit. Jalen Ramsey wore number eight. That's a pretty nice number. We don't have an eight, dude. That's more like a number. Yeah. What is he, Steve Young? Jesus. <laughs> he could never. He could never. Steve Young, by the way. Whew. Bad takes this week. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> God, God forbid the NFL becomes more like the NBA, where Rough. players get guaranteed contracts and don't have severe brain damage by the time they're 26. Yeah. I'd hate for that to be the way it goes. By the way, Dolphins. Negative 92-point differential. <laughs> They've given up 102 points two games into the season. Christ alive. On my boys. Just getting absolutely bossed this year. So Hurts. absolute verdict. Eagles need to trade from Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. Yeah. It needs to happen. Get 100%. it done, Howie. We know you listen to Maybe the Maybe Dolphins get involved somehow. Get a three-way. Get a three, three-team trade going on. I, I'm hearing a lot of smoke about Melvin Gordon to the Dolphins. I can't think of a worse situation to put him in. It's like putting, it's like putting a Rembrandt painting in a dentist's office. What the hell are you doing? Jesus. Melvin Gordon on the Dolphins. Christ. That's nice. That was a good one. Thank you. Melvin Gordon did come out and say today that he's going to play somewhere this year. Yeah, thank God I took him in one of my drafts. This was like, here's my thought process. Even if he comes back week 10. 
which is the latest he mm-hmm. can come back. You're talking having Melvin Gordon, hopefully on a new team, because on the Chargers now with Eckler it gets messy. Hopefully on a new Plus team. The Chargers have a week twelve bye to get you through fantasy playoffs. I was like, I'll this could, that. that could win you your league right there. But yeah, I Jesus. So we'll uh, we'll keep you up to date with all the Jalen Ramsey stuff. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at UndergroundPHI. But yeah, guys, Phillies are done. Uh, I'm waving the white flag officially. Yeah, hey, but um, they beat the Braves, Kyle. They the don't one, care. The lone the team. lone positive right now about this season is that the Phillies are above 500 against the Braves this season. They are nine and eight. Hell yeah, we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Braves fans. Um, and their shitty mascot. Yep. But that's all. <laughs> their that's gentrified really stadium and their racist chants. Good for them. Good for you guys. Well Woo-hoo! done. Have fun with your first round exit. Uh, apparently Joel Embiid, though, losing some weight this offseason. Allegedly lost 25 pounds. Okay, so I saw his uh, his <laughs> ad for the ghost chili I think that's chip. where about like 20 of those pounds got lost. Yo, <laughs> Jesus, man. First off, can, can we talk about how impeccable his hairline looked? In that, yeah, I think they definitely that thing was he got crispy. cleaned up before that. That thing was real crispy. <laughs> um, oh, so one Phillies piece of news I added them. So if this happens, you're welcome because I did this. <laughs> I did this. I made this happen. Uh, Red Sox get it getting rid of Eddie Bain, who is quietly one of the guys in Major League Baseball at identifying young talent. He was part of the Angels organization, one that got one Mr. Mike Trout late in the first. I'm just telling you right now, all the news about the Phillies is that there's going to be a lot of people let go this summer, that a lot of people, you know, there's going to be some shifting. <laughs> if we get Eddie Bain, I'm going from 6 to midnight. Unfortunately, it would have been nice to have him for the past, like, four or five years when we were actually, like, drafting, you know, top mm-hmm. order. But just let if, – if it happens – if Eddie Bain is part of the Phillies front office next year, you're welcome, every single one of you, because I did it. Um, <laughs> but thank you. That might be the lone, uh, you know, positive from that Red Sox team getting released because all these people talking about Dave Dombrowski and saying the Phillies stop. Like you look at what Dave Dombrowski did to that Red Sox organization. Sure, they won a World Series last year, but look at them right now. What did it cost? Everything. Everything. Look at them right now. They are strapped because they gave Nate Evaldi over $80 million. They paid Chris Sale, and he got hurt. I'm a big believer, though, in spend to win a championship. Even if it means you might suck for a few years, like... Didn't like if the if the Eagles like went like six and ten for the next four years, you'd obviously wouldn't be like thrilled about that, but like I don't know, still won a Super Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you you, like kinda we're two years removed. They well, paid, like a year and a half removed from the Super Bowl. And that's still, like, people's comfort. It's like, well, we want a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. so. Didn't the Phillies win the season series against the Red Sox? Uh, no, I think they we did s- not. We, they we won one not. game. Okay. One and three. In a uh, four-game total uh, amount of games against them. But No, sure. I thought we split. So we swept them. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think oh, we yeah, split. Yeah. So great. That's good. But uh, I, you know, Dave Dombrowski's a big fat no for me. How do you feel about Joe Madden? I love him. Because mm. you know why? He's like your unhinged uncle. You know? Like, he's like... I, I, I think... You know what I like about Joe Madden, genuinely? Is I think... And I'm a big believer that baseball managers don't have a lot to do. To, just totally <laughs> honest. Not in, a, not in a mean-spirited way. But I don't think it's quite like an NFL head coach where you're like... 
you're managing all these coordinators and you have to have a game plan and you might even be responsible for play calling. A, I think most baseball management and most baseball coaching is two things, is form and mentality. And form meaning literally like either your hitting form mm-hmm. or defensive positioning, whatever. Like, you know, those things, you know, yeah, you can talk about shifting and things like that. But again, Gabe has his iPad that does all the work for him. Like I, Gabe isn't like a computer constantly processing these things. Yes, he understands the data and, and most managers and people around baseball do now and can interpret that in their own way with their philosophy. But I think largely speaking, what I, what I truly believe with the baseball managers, they need to have the right mentality and the right way of understanding getting players to play their best. I think Joe Madden is legitimately one of the best in baseball at doing that. You can say whatever you want about his potential issues with analytics. And <laughs> again, I, 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 I don't think he's like the perfect person, but... I think if we lose Gabe, I think he's an. I, I personally think he would be an upgrade. I, I, I don't like, think that's crazy to say either. By the way, like, I did like what he did with the uh, Rays when they won the World Series. He's one. He's yeah, a winner. He's, like he's he's, he's won he's good. in several spots. Yeah, like, this is a guy that has. He's done things. I like won the World Series with the Cubs. Got there with the Rays. Phillies whooped their asses. Uh huh. There's a second. Oh, that's like, right. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't win with the Rays, right? No. I think he got there. He got there. Um. But he's, he won with the Cubs. He broke their streak. That's right. I I believe in Joe Madden, and I I think I, I don't know how I feel about him. I I'm on the fence. I also don't know how I feel about Gabe. Cowell. That's that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you? When did you say though? Bring back Charlie. Cubs like that was what sixteen? Yes. Would you say Cubs like pre sixteen was a little similar to the the Philly situation where the Cubs were like a much younger, better team, and obviously too they had. Um, What's uh, drafted better? They, they, <laughs> yeah, they had Theo like in charge as well, so they had still like, there. Yeah, but you know, like they had this like resurgence of like just better overall drafting and scouting, which obviously helps. But it, you know, it did feel like a team that was struggling to tap into that actual talent and was struggling to make like in the next step. Doesn't that sound similar to what we're seeing with the Phillies? Like, I just so I, Madden I, is a is a PA guy. He's from Pennsylvania. West Hazelton, where is that? Great question. Is that in cold that's, country? Uh, that's up in near the Poconos. How do you know that? Because yeah, you're a Poconos I, I, guy. I, I, South, yeah. of yeah. Yeah. South of Wilkesbury. Yeah, South of Wilkesbury. Yeah, that's I, I pass through all that when I go. So he's, he's like a River Rats guy then. Okay. So Joe Madden's been with the Cubs since 2015. Cubs records under Joe Madden uh, after 24 when the Cubs went uh, 73 and 89 in 2014. 2015 they go 97 and 65. 2016, quite the leap. When they won the World say. Series, 103 and 58. 2017, 92 and 70. Uh, 2018, 95 and 68. And this season, 82 and 69. Granted, I think 2015, if I'm not mistaken, they finally started calling up a bunch of guys like Chris Bryant. I think that was his rookie season. Mm-hmm. Um, they signed Jason Hayward. They still had Dexter Fowler, and uh, they kind of just put it all together. And then they made the trades for the starting pitching. John Lester had a fantastic season. But again, didn't we just talk last week about how we'd like to? We have some some very fruitful looking young men in our farm system that can maybe get called. My point is, is that I'm I'm not sold on Gabe Kapler. Mm-hmm. I I think a lot of people aren't. And if there is going to be a shakeup at the managerial position, who like what other 
potential re- replacement would you like rather see? And I mean like realistic too. Like Joe Madden, I think is the best of the bunch. I, I like. I don't know. I I, yeah. I I can't think of really anyone that would feasibly be available for the Phillies to get. What whatever it may be, please for the love of God, do not bring Mike Sosha here. Yeah, <laughs> that is the last person I want in that Phillies dugout. Um, he's horrible. Uh, but I mean, Joe Madden is the most, I guess you could say, like likely candidate if he does not go back to Chicago, which it doesn't look like he is. So, we'll see what happens with that. But, uh, Embiid, we were talking about, lost the weight. I like how he joked that he said he was going to gain it all back. <laughs> he was like, I'll get it all back anyway. Um, he, also, he said he lost 25 pounds? 25. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah. insane, actually. He has, to, he has to watch how much he actually loses, though, because a guy his size, you know, that can bring forth some injuries. I think 25 pounds is... I think it's fine. I, don't, I doubt it was even actually twenty five pounds. To be perfectly honest, I like it's probably like you know he likes to exaggerate. It's probably like fifteen to twenty. Wow, what is that insinuating, Tom? What he he what? just he likes talking. Okay. Right. Um, what do you mean? I mean him being him being leaner is good for the the Sixers. Obviously, yes. Like, let's not let's not get confused here. Um, but this isn't going to stop like Mark from Delco calling in and saying that he needs to stop eating milkshakes. You know. Forgetting Chick-fil-A. that he's a seven foot three human being that plays eighty two competitive games of basketball and weight even though trains he doesn't even and play all eighty two. But you know, he he weight trains and, and flies all the time and has nutritionists and team doctors he's looking active. after him. Maybe maybe, just maybe, <laughs> they know what they're doing and that it's okay. And that athletes can still have fast food. Because guess what? Joel Embiid probably needs like four thousand calories mm-hmm. a day. At Facts. least <laughs> just stop. Right. <laughs> The dude is eating cheeseburgers while getting stretched out by the athletic trainers before the game. I think it's okay. <laughs> All right? <laughs> I mean, just calm down. I just don't want to hear it this year. Exactly. I don't want to hear it. Uh, more positive news, though. Especially when he's averaging 30 on everybody. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Yeah. That was me just feeling a little unsettled. <laughs> uh, more positive hey, news, though, from the Wells Fargo Center teams. Uh, they finally paid him. The nerds, the Flyers, get the Travis Konechny deal done. Six years, five point five million AAV. We needed to get that done. And uh, not saying we broke the news, but we we, we kind of broke. The news. You know, the, the Flyers tweeted a gif like they were being cute about it, and we were like, you know, a deal's coming. And then two minutes later, boom, bing, it's bing, done. bang. Credit your sources. Uh, <laughs> he make. Fire. <laughs> um, if someone gets that, I won't give them anything. If you get that <laughs> reference, tweet at us. Tweet me, and we can DM about vines all night. <laughs> and I really mean that because there's no bigger hole in my life. It is your pin tweet than vine. I'm serious, man. I like. There's the nothing. World, the world went up in flames. Nothing has hurt me more than vine being taken down. Really, truly. And that just tells you a lot about my privilege, that that is the worst thing that has happened to me. <laughs> Rough life, man. So uh, after Saturday when the Flyers got the Ivan Provorov deal done, uh, they get TK signed. Chuck Fletcher uh, in his statement said, we're happy to have Travis under contract for the next six seasons. 
He's shown progression in each of his three seasons and is an integral part of our group of young forwards. His speed, skill, and tenacity sets him apart in today's NHL. I don't think anybody needs to really like have say that about him. Anybody who watches the Flyers knows that. And then uh, he's Travis made a statement as well. He said, I'm really excited about signing with the Flyers and being able to call Philadelphia home for the next six years. I can't wait to get back with my teammates and start a new relationship with the coaching staff. It's on me now to work hard and make up for the couple days I wasn't able to be here. Um, so TK back big positive for this team. And uh, like Matt said, we're going to, we're going to be positive about the Flyers for the month of October. They're getting all my love and support. Facts. All of it. it. Whole buckets, buckets, so, I'm talking buckets. Buckets. It's a big positive, though. They're they're doing all the right things to make us believe. Yeah, and so the so fall then, is much harder exactly. and uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait to see your brother's tweets. I cannot wait. For what it's for worth, that. I do have a little bit of uh, news here. Will Castorina has confirmed with me he will come on the podcast to I, do a Flyers season preview. I, you know, I've implored him multiple times to come on the pod. And he's, he's always like, no, I'll just start yelling. I was like, bro, I don't know what to tell you, but that's great content. Like, we. He is going to come you. on, do he a Flyers season preview. He, he, he asked me we were doing the season, season preview. I was like, man, come on and do it. He's like, yeah, sure. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? For what it's worth, this has been like a, a year long. Pro- we were trying to get Will on last year yeah. when we were, you know, full blown embrace the tank. And now, uh, oh my God, the content we would have had that. <laughs> that was a fun. That was a fun month. Will will be coming on uh, to do the season preview, just like we uh, are planning for our Sixers season preview with a uh, big guest. So uh, stay tuned for Doing. that. But uh, to wrap things up, just got to wish a happy belated birthday to our kick-ass photographer Alex McIntyre, and today USP alum Brooke Destra is her birthday as well. Woo! Shout out to the ladies. Jesus Christ! Sorry. Oh my God! <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know my mic was that hot. I'm sorry. Uh, no, uh, it's not even that. It's just the noise. What was that? <laughs> was that your throat that made that noise? <laughs> that was the pre-workout. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> That's the pre-heart attack. That's me. If a balloon, if a balloon was like brought to life by magic and then promptly killed, that's what it would have sounded like. <laughs> getting choked to death oh my god um fix that <laughs> do better fix whatever that was i think that's all we got for you guys tonight uh <laughs> make sure you follow us on twitter at underground phi subscribe to us on apple Podcasts. leave those five star ratings and reviews and you can also follow us on spotify google play soundcloud stitcher wherever you get your podcast in your five star review just say eagle sign jalen ramsey just spam it with that and Rosen. uh you know, leave your best Jalen Ramsey takes in your Apple Podcast reviews. Saturday, we will be uh, a later show because we will be at Talon Energy Stadium for the Premier Lacrosse League Championship game and the first-round draft pick game, which uh, kicks off at 11.30. So uh, make sure you're following our lacrosse Twitter at OTBLaxPod and uh, for all that good content that will be coming on Saturday. So we will be out there. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, so make sure you uh, follow us for that. But as always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Aldemol, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. This has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 168. For Dom, for Matt, I'm Kyle. We are signing off. Peace. Oh,